This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're getting on schedule in episode number 112. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am happy, as per usual, to be here bringing you another episode of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I'm really excited at this point because we've got the Just Ask Kristen podcast, and we also have the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and there's a lot going on over at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And um, I'm also looking to hopefully work on naturalbirthandbabycare.com sister site some, which I'll tell you more about in the coming weeks. And it's just, uh, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited right now. Things are exciting. Things are, are exciting for me in the birth and baby world. And I just, I'm, I'm happy to share that with you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit beyond birth and babies, but it also includes birth and babies. I've been asked if I would do some more podcasts that cover homeschooling topics, and I wanted to talk about homeschool scheduling. We've talked some about homeschooling with little ones in the past, um, and I think that something that really helps facilitate that is having a schedule for your homeschool. But a lot of people don't know what that looks like, and I will try and include some of our homeschool schedules uh, in the show notes for this so that you can actually go and look at those because I have schedules like from when I only had like one kid homeschooling and only a few and then now I've got seven kids to juggle during homeschool times plus I'm I'm working uh, a lot more during the day and so it's interesting. Our schedule looks different and very non-traditional. And actually, I probably will do an episode about working while homeschooling because I think that will help those of you who are trying to work either remotely or maybe you're actually going out to work during the day, but you still want to have some sort of uh, homeschooling situation going on with your child. And I think that that can happen for families who are committed and motivated. And, and looking at my schedule might give you some ideas. But basically, um, I'll include some of those schedules just for you to look at. They're just samples. And now let's go ahead and talk about about the whys of scheduling. So I was first introduced to the concept of scheduling for homeschoolers from a book, which is, I highly recommend it uh, as a book. And the book is called Managers of Their Homes. It's by Terry Maxwell. It is written from a Christian perspective, and there's definitely some things in there that might be take it, might be leaving it. Some families might not feel as comfortable scheduling nursing times for babies, for example. I actually feel like Terry is really balanced in the book because one of the cool things about the book is she had a whole bunch of test families run through it before she finished the book, and so their experiences are actually included. And which makes the book just overall much stronger, more practical, able to work with a real family's real life. But also, um, there there were families that had babies who wanted to do much more of a baby-led baby schedule, and you see how they worked that in their days. So I feel like overall the book is pretty balanced, and there are a lot of gems in there that I feel like are really helpful, especially to parents juggling multiple ages. So if you're in that place, or if you want something that's really going to walk you through the nuts and bolts of creating a schedule, I do still recommend her book, and I'll link to that in the show notes. 
But I really feel like a schedule is key to having good homeschooling days. And I've alluded to that. We talked about that. Um, When I talk to mamas in the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club, we often talk a lot about rhythm and routines because I feel like rhythm and routine just really makes the day easier with little ones. When I start thinking about homeschooling, I think more about a formal schedule. I don't think that your schedule in particular needs to look like anybody else's. Your schedule isn't going to necessarily look like my samples. Again, to talk about Terry's book, one of the reasons why I liked it was because there were so many schedules from so many different sample families, and you could kind of pick one that felt like your family or look at a couple that felt like your family, and that was really nice. And you also got to see how incredibly different All of these schedules were, which was really cool. So your schedule doesn't have to look like anybody else's. Another thing, and I think this is one that's really helpful if you're hoping to give yourself grace, is that your own schedule might change. It might look different. What I have found is that a schedule usually works for around one semester or for one period of time. Like right now, our family is kind of leaning towards... Charlotte Mason, Ambleside Online Curriculum, and they divide the year into three um, terms. So it might change each term. And in the past, I felt like, okay, I need to find this schedule that works perfectly. But one thing that I've discovered is with the more kids we've added, and especially with Scott coming home, that our school day doesn't always flow according to schedule and I usually need to adjust the schedule every few moments or few months excuse me not every few minutes though sometimes it might feel like that Um, and another thing is that babies get older your toddlers and preschoolers will be continually maturing and the arrangements that you need to make for them may look different and again especially if you've got a newborn there might be things that are changing every few months um or if you're like us with a hobby farm things are going to be looking different every few months another big thing for us is we celebrate all the biblical holidays and the biblical feasts we do use the traditional rabbinical calendar for that um so i'm able to schedule the days we don't go by moon sightings um for those of you who might believe along the same things maybe all this means something to you and for those of you that don't forgive me but basically it means that there are major you know there are major holidays in the spring and in the fall And then also there are patriotic holidays where in the United States, so the 4th of July and Labor Day and Memorial Day and Thanksgiving are very big uh, holidays for us. So, you know, that's all coming in there. So that's all going on during the year. There's just so much that's going on. And things change, things adjust. Again, children grow and change, new babies come, holidays arise, the rhythm of the year happens. Maybe you all want to go out in the summer and spend time at the lake, or maybe you want to all go spend a day snowshoeing in the wintertime. So again, things change and schedules change, so that's okay. Another thing is that your schedule might be pretty loose, and I also think that that is okay if your schedule is pretty loose. When I only had my uh, my three older kids, which was when I really, I, I actually really did kind of start looking at scheduling when Cassidy was a baby, and then not necessarily for a baby schedule, but because I knew I wanted to homeschool and I was that excited, that's actually when I got Terry Maxwell's book. I've had that book now for almost 15 years, and 
Uh, but I, you know, I kind of started looking at scheduling and also I was, I was reading a lot about Waldorf education and they really emphasized the rhythm of a day. So I often had a, a general rhythm for the day. It was loose, but there was a general rhythm and a flow to the day. And your day may look like that. Like I said, mine are pretty structured. Like, I mean, I actually lay them out on an Excel spreadsheet these days. And I have actually done that for a long time, even though it was more of a flow before. Um, But now, for sure, I keep it on an Excel spreadsheet. And, you know, for the first few weeks that we're getting used to a new schedule, I've, like, got a printoff of the Excel spreadsheet in my hand to consult. Now, after a few weeks, we've generally learned the flow. Um, And I do, one thing I do feel is that our scheduled days went more smoothly when Scott was at work. Not that I want him to go back to work, but I think that having a, having daddy introduce interruptions sometimes introduces interruptions, especially if he needs the older kids to do something. And that's still something that we're working on. Um, But one of the, another thing too, is I think that when I was the only one home, I was looking more at the schedule and I was the one really shepherding. And sometimes when you expect another person to help shepherd through, it doesn't happen, which is not necessarily the other person's fault. It's just that sometimes, you know, you can't split the responsibility of the captain that easily, at least not in that way. It's like one person should be in charge of shepherding the schedule. Another person can do something else. But anyways, that's like a balance I'm trying to work on right now. But Like I said, my schedule is laid out very formally in an Excel spreadsheet and basically every half an hour throughout the day from 6 until supper time really is well accounted for. The after supper time is a little bit looser, but up until that time, in order just to fit what we need to fit in the day, the kids aren't doing school that entire time, but our moments are accounted for. And like with my little ones, I do have a rhythm and routine that I want them to follow. It hasn't been as critical in our first term because the weather's been good and frankly I've let my little ones spend lots and lots and lots of time outside playing. Now that the weather is turning chilly and we're going to be going into the cold, it'll be much more it, it will be much more important for me to get in there I think and really shepherd people through because little ones get unhappy when they're left to their own devices. Uh, but with one or two kids even it can, you know, your schedule can be pretty loose and you can just kind of guide people through the rhythm of the day. It doesn't have to be super formal, though I think that having something written down can be helpful. Having said all that, let's let's jump some into the nitty gritty now. So how do you even start thinking about a schedule? You might be like, Kristen, you've talked about a schedule now for 10 minutes and you had me at the word schedule. I'm still feeling like I'm suffocating. So how do you start? How do you even picture that into your day? What if you guys have just been living by, we just wake up and we kind of go through the motions and then it's nighttime and I'm exhausted and I'm not sure where my day went. How do you move past that? Or how do you move past the point of we're homeschooling, except if anybody came over, we've been homeschooling for a month and a half now and I really have nothing to show for it. My kid is kind of like, uh, and there's like no book work whatsoever. How do you get over that? How do you create a schedule that works, that means things get done? And when I say things get done, I don't necessarily mean written work or seat work. But you you feel confident that you're accomplishing what you intend to in your home school. And I think there are many different markers um, that can show that. Mostly, I think, the children themselves, not that they're meant to be trophies, but that they're intelligent, engaged, um, eager to learn, and maybe will be a bit shy at first, but can overcome and 
and just be eager to to talk and to share with other people that helps people see that you know there's a there's a spark going on even if you don't believe in lots of written work but anyways that's a tangent too so how do you start start with the big things the big things so a the number one big thing is meals when are you going to eat that's the easiest way to start your schedule is write down on your schedule when you're going to eat do make this realistic so if you cannot drag yourself out of bed until eight o'clock do not put breakfast on the schedule for 6.30. Please don't. But, you know, once you figured out something realistic, put it there. And if there's something you want to work towards, like, for example, for us, I was really having a hard time. For us, having Bible time is really important. Um, but we were really having a hard time making it happen. And because we would get, you know, we would get into the breakfast and the chores and all that nonsense. And then there would just not be time for Bible time by the time all of that was followed up on. What do we do to make it, you know, to make it happen? So what we did was we moved Bible time early in the morning, which means that um, I've got sleepy kids, sleepier kids. My little ones tend to have less trouble falling back asleep. Um, But and I've also encouraged my big ones, you know, get up, get something, even if it's got to be a book about Star Wars, get up, put something in your lap and sit there and read it while you're waiting for your siblings to help yourself wake up. Do not lay down with your head on the couch and start falling back asleep again because we're going to do Bible time shortly. But moving it before breakfast worked for us. But that was a goal that we had to work towards. Um, Some days it doesn't happen because somebody oversleeps for whatever reason, a.k.a. mama, who doesn't get everybody else up. But most of the time it does happen and it actually happens. So, you you know, you can have the goal of I want to try and kind of scoop breakfast half an hour earlier over time if I can and maybe even a little bit more once we've established that habit. But to begin with, make it realistic. Um, and then, you know, put lunchtime in there, put supper in there at a realistic time. Um, look at look at things like daddy. So when we lived in town, Scott walked home for lunch every day. And so lunch had to be served at a particular time. It could not flex. Um, another thing is um, sometimes daddy's preferences when he's working outside the home, maybe wants to have dinner at a certain time. That was something Scott liked to have dinner shortly after getting home. It's one of the ones I've personally struggled with the most. I prefer to eat a little bit later. Even now with him at home, he likes to eat earlier. Sometimes I feel like I just can't wrap up the day, but it is something I work towards. We actually won an instant pot uh, a few weeks ago during the Ultimate Healthy Living Bundle sale, and that was incredible. I was skeptical of them before, but I'll admit now I'm a convert. I made supper last night and it said that the recipe was quick and man, it was not joking. I started at 4.30 thinking for sure, okay, this is not actually going to be quick. And it was done by like 4.45. And I was just like, well, I guess that was a really quick recipe. So, um, and then another thing is I've really, I've talked about it before, but I'm really a fan of the slow cooker. That's something else that can help. I'm also a huge fan of menu planning or looking in advance. What are we going to eat? Because that just helps make it happen. It helps make it happen for you. So those are little things that you can use as tools when you think about how do I make the meals happen at this time. But really, that's another podcast episode. So you've got the meals on there. Another big thing is going to be sleep times. And this is especially true if you have a little one who is still napping. If you've got a newborn like in that one or that newborn to four months age, it's I it's 
almost impossible, I think, to put them, quote unquote, on a schedule because you're really going to be going a lot more by them and when they're getting sleepy. And that can make everything a little rougher um, with with setting up a schedule. So I would say certainly in like the first six weeks postpartum, if you can plan now to have things be intentionally easier, like with your homeschooling, then that would be a good thing. Certainly, at least try and give yourself grace to take a week or two off and know that, you know, the baby's probably going to be in arms a lot or that you might have to go into the other room to help get the baby settled or whatever. Give yourself grace. Um, but then once you've got the, a baby who's you're able to establish more regular nap times with, you still are going to want to think about, okay, this one's taking a morning nap. These two are taking an afternoon nap. And then what time is bedtime? And again, what time do we want to get up in the morning? And you can look at your family. It might take some work for you. Like if you've got a baby, it might be helpful. I've got this actually in the go to sleep class. And actually, I have it in the baby sleep crib sheet too, I think, which you can get at um, birthbabylife.com slash crib sheet birthbabylife.com slash crib sheet. And I think I've got a chart in there to help you chart your baby's eating and sleeping. And the reason to do that is not because you want to force them into a schedule, but because it is actually surprisingly illuminating because you think my kid has no regularity. And what almost all parents realize is that they do. And when you see, I give you instructions on how to do it. Um, when you shade those in in colored blocks, you will see that your little one tends to have their own rhythm and routine. And what you can do is kind of work that into your schedule and start maybe kind of bumping them around. Like I did this with Asher, my second baby. I always wanted to read to Cassidy at a particular time in the morning. And so I would sit down and nurse him. And he got to where he fell asleep and had his morning nap at that time, just naturally. He was already probably pretty drowsy. And it just became his nap time because it you know, it just took a little bit to move his own biological rhythm to be where I wanted it to be for that. And, uh, and so look at, you know, getting to know your baby or your toddlers. I think baby especially schedule with a toddler. I think it's important to look at their rhythms too, but you can be a little more arbitrary in saying, okay, this is when you are going to take your afternoon nap. But basically look at sleep. Look at when does um, when does the, when do they sleep? When do we need to eat? And also if you have something that that I guess imposing on your time is not the right way to say it. But if you have responsibilities that you need to meet, for instance, you work remotely or you work from home or something, does that have to happen at a particular time? That would be important. And then I've already mentioned daddy some, but look at daddy times. When does daddy leave for work? When does daddy arrive from home? arrive home from work does daddy need to come home for lunch how can I make accommodations for that I know one family that I talked to the dad came home for lunch but only had a very small window and it would sometimes change so he might be there for 20 minutes at noon it might be at one and that family did a lot of crock pot soups because then it was just ready as soon as he walked in the door mom could dish it up put an ice cube and a little chunk of bread in each child's bowl and they were good to go with the soup for daddy. So look at daddy, look at his preferences, his desires. If there are particular things like maybe you check in with him at work at a particular time every day, then you would want to have those sorts of things noted on the schedule. And also bedtime when it comes to sleep. So those are the big things. And then what you want to look at is um, is okay, when do we need to do school? Now, for most families, that's going to be in the morning. They want to do school in the morning. Actually, for my family right now, my kids do some independent work in the morning, mostly math and also some of their Bible devotion stuff. But 
pretty much everything else is in the afternoon because I'm working in the mornings. I'm doing things like recording this podcast or writing articles or whatever it is I'm doing, teaching classes, recording classes, all of that sort of thing. So most days of the week, um, we do the lion's share of the homeschooling in the afternoon. But I chose to do that because it takes a lot of energy and creative energy for me to keep the business running. And so right now, that comes in the morning when I have the most creative energy. When Scott was working and the business was only making a side income, homeschooling definitely came first. And I think for most families, homeschooling in the morning is going to be best. Um, So you need to look at when do we want to do school. And I think it's important, too, to, to think about doing things in set periods and having breaks. So one of the big blessings that I didn't even realize was a blessing about doing a set formal schedule was that it meant that I put, you know, a 30-minute period for math, a 30-minute period for English or whatever on the schedule for a particular child. And my expectation was pretty much that by the time that 30-minute period was done, they would be done with that assignment. Now, what we have done and continue to do is there's like a 20 minutes to a half an hour where each child has a time with mama where we kind of go over their independent work but then with the exception of my very young schoolers um, they work independently so especially from third grade on up usually they're working more independently first and second graders especially a slow reader takes more hands-on from mom but then they don't take as much. And it, it takes less hands-on for me now because Scott does the hands-on for the math part. But when I was doing math with the kids, I did the math during that half an hour as well. Now, obviously, overall, that takes up a large chunk of my day. So if I'm doing that with four kids, that's two hours of time in general. And as I add in more kids, though with an older child like Cassidy, I can usually review her stuff in about 15 minutes. So it doesn't take as long because she really knows how to do it. She just needs some oversight for me to keep her on track to answer any questions she has. But she's working more independently, and I think that's what you really want with an older kid. But anyways, um, but that might take a large chunk of your time across the morning. But what you want to guard against with your kids is you don't want them to be doing like intense work, intense work, intense work, intense work. You want to to stagger that. And I think it's especially important for boys, but it's important for girls too. But I try and stagger what we do with um, maybe seat work and then they're able to be up and do something more active. Or they only have to listen to mom read. They don't have to do seat work at this time. So you kind of try and alternate it. That's one of the things you want to look out for when you schedule. And then you also want to think about what's going on with my younger children. We talked about this some in the homeschooling with young children episode. But also definitely be looking at um, what's going on with them. One of the tips that I got from Terry Maxwell's book, Managers of Their Homes, was to have older kids play with younger kids. And that's something that was really, really, really helpful for me for a long time. I've had more trouble making it work recently. I actually feel a little bit frustrated and maybe embarrassed to say because my teenagers attitudes towards spending time with their younger siblings isn't great which has made me reluctant to do it and I'm not sure if that's like a cumulative overall thing if that's like a stage of life that they're at thing and if I'll be able to overcome it or if it's just that they don't want to have playtime with all their siblings and that might be what it is because in the past 
you know, I could have Cassidy have a playtime with, um, usually not with Asher, but a playtime with Brennan and a playtime with Galen and a playtime with Honor and Asher have a playtime with Galen and Brennan and Honor. And, you know, so each one had a playtime with everybody staggered throughout their morning, which really helped keep people occupied. Um, now, I don't know, I think maybe like in just in talking about this, I think that having Cassidy have a playtime with Honor would still work or having her have a playtime with Honor and Sadie, which would occupy two of them. Um, and I think she would be okay with that. And again, it's only for a half an hour. It's not for a long time. These things are a half an hour chunk. And right now I do have Brennan having a playtime with, uh, with his younger siblings for half an hour. And, um, and that, that's a good way to keep people happy. And when you look at the example schedules on the site, you'll see that you'll see where I did this. So that might help you visualize what it looks like a little bit more. Okay, so another big tip um, is to start slowly. So one of the things that might happen is you're going to have this whole uh, big schedule planned out, and it's going to look big and beautiful, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that was my crowning achievement because I just planned out from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. We've got 12 hours down. I've got this. And then you're going to jump into it and it's going to be like, holy moly, this is a total disaster. This is not working at all. And you're going to either feel like throwing in the towel on the whole schedule or you're going to be screaming at your kids. The schedule says you're supposed to be doing this. And what are you doing? You're outside or you're spinning plates on your head or you're flipping bottles or whatever. Um, so don't do that. Don't do that. So a big thing is work into your schedule. Start slowly at first. So work your way up. So you've planned the schedule out. So say, all right, I plan the schedule out, finish it up on Sunday evening. Tomorrow morning, we're going to try this. So tomorrow morning, I challenge you to get through breakfast according to the schedule. For us, that's about an hour. For you, it might be more immediate. You might have breakfast 15 minutes after you're supposed to get up and you may realize that is or is not realistic or you need to do something in advance to make that realistic. For example, uh, having your rice cooker cook oatmeal for you, which is what our rice cooker does most mornings. It, it gets up and cooks at six o'clock so that we don't have to. We just left the oats soaking in it overnight. But basically, evaluate. Do up through up through breakfast, excuse me, and evaluate. How is this looking? What does this look like? How did this go? Then say, okay, we're going to go up to 9 a.m. So you've gotten through breakfast smoothly a couple days. Now we're going to go up to 9 a.m. Now we're going to go up to 11. Now we're going to go up to lunch. We're going to do up to lunch. One of the things that I believe that you will find as you do this is even going until only 9 a.m. in your schedule, you may very well get more school done than you did trying to homeschool the entire day without one. It just works that way. So work up to it slowly, you know, then so it's taken a couple weeks and you guys are up to doing it through noon. I like to try and get in the first week up to noon and then in the next week up through the rest of the afternoon. Um, and so you might work on it like that, but you're also probably going to have to stop and evaluate because you're going to realize, okay, this is just not working at all. So you need to go back and adjust the schedule. 
That's something that may and probably will happen. Usually I know that that working schedule that I come up for that with for that semester or that term, I'm going to have to go back and tweak it after the first week because I'll realize, okay, that totally did not work. I need to do something else. Even just recently, so with the first term I had kind of a preschool time with my little ones first and then and my older kids were supposed to be doing independent work during that time and then we did together school and reviews with them well that doesn't work it doesn't work because my older kids aren't aren't they don't say okay lunchtime chores are done so I need to do my work even when I said okay it's time to do work they're just not really focused and they kind of tend to goof off during that hour And so I've moved time with everybody and their time to review with them first because if my little ones are goofing off or, you know, kind of playing and half listening to the stories and things that I'm going over during our together school time, that's okay. And then, you know, I can have them do that or have a quiet time or have a nap in Sadie's case. Um, And then I can do preschool time with them later on. I do want to get that time in, but it's not as critical to making sure that my older um, grade school, middle school, and high school kids are on track. So you might tweak. You might find tweaks like that, or you might realize, okay, on my son's schedule, I had math and then English and then history, and that's just not working. He just can't do that. So I need to make it math first, and then he'll have a playtime with little brother James, and then he'll sit down and we'll do a read aloud together, which is what his English is in our curriculum, and then he'll have a playtime with Sammy, our three-year-old, and then he'll sit down and, and do some history reading in a history notebooking page after we've done a little read aloud. And then maybe he has some outside playtime for a little while. And that sounds like if you're talking about a first grader or whatever, that sounds like a very good homeschool day to me right there. So you might realize, okay, some things I've done in my schedule are not realistic. Or you may realize, for example, if you're having the children play together, these two kids don't play together really well. They need supervision. So I had them assigned to play in the boys' room. But really, I think that I want them to play uh, in the room. Like if I'm in the dining room and we have a front room that's kind of connected but has a little bit of a divider. So I might choose to have them play in the front room where I can keep an eye on them and say, okay, you guys aren't playing nicely together, so you need to come sit at the dining room table beside me and the other child that I'm working with. So you might you will make adjustments like that. You will find things that do and don't work. And it may take you a week or two or three to get those kinks ironed out in the schedule itself. Something else that I want to encourage you to look at is your children. One of the things that you might realize when you start a schedule or you start homeschooling or whatever is that my children do not know how to handle themselves. And I feel like I need to tread very lightly, but at the same time, I don't want to tread very lightly. I know that a lot of people listening to this, you're coming from kind of that attachment parenting background and all of that. I have a lot of respect for that. Um, But I also have a lot of respect for teaching our children to be cheerful, to be helpful, to contribute to humanity, to contribute to their family. One of the things that stresses me out the most right now um, with the point of life that I'm at, which is parenting teenagers and also parenting younger children, but also having to put a lot of energy into helping my own parents. I'm kind of stuck in a sandwich generation since my mom had a stroke about five months ago. And I cannot believe how much work that takes just 
I'm I'm long distance from them, but just being on the phone trying to get everything that's needed for my parents' care to lower the stress on my dad as much as possible, to keep my mom content and motivated so that she continues her stroke recovery and can hopefully come home. I mean, it takes a lot. And it's I'm happy to do it. I want to do it. I want to remove as much stress from them as possible. But it's frustrating to me that when my kids see me literally on the phone for hours a day trying to do that, they could possibly give me a crappy attitude about doing the dishes or loading the dishwasher even. You know, it's one of those things that makes you go, are you serious? Are you serious? You're 13 years old. You're 15 years old. You can do that without being teary-eyed or angry at me. Can't you see that I just spent three hours helping your grandparents? I mean, are you kidding me? It's like, I don't like that situation. It feels frustrating to me. And I know that some of it is the stage that they're at. But I also believe that a lot of it is teaching and learning. And uh, and one of the things that my Smart Mama Happy Baby members like to ask me um, is, what, do you, what would you do differently now that you have teenagers and are looking back on what you did in their young years? And, and I've often told them that one of the things I would do differently is go back and make sure that while I taught them to help around the house, because I feel like I was pretty consistent with that, but I didn't necessarily teach them how to have a good attitude about it. And that's m- multifaceted. So I could have worked on my attitude, uh, and but also I could have taught them that they needed to have a better attitude and said, okay, you did that, but I need you to go back and do it with a smile. And I think today we're so into individuality and rights and all of that stuff that sometimes we we honestly have a hard time with that kind of a concept because we feel like, okay, I don't want to infringe upon my child's rights uh, and their rights and their feelings and everything. But I guess I just, I want to encourage you that that by teaching children to help others diligently and cheerfully and helping their family is the first place that they help others. That is in no way infringing upon their rights or their emotions or anything. I can't think of any negative consequences for teaching a person to help their fellow human beings with a cheerful attitude. Obviously, we want to teach them self-care. We're going to model self-care for them. Okay, we've cleaned the house. We've gotten all this done. You're going to go to bed and mama's going to go have a nice bath. Or one of the things that we do have the luxury of doing with teenage kids is going out to dinner. So Scott and I go out to dinner once a month. You know, they see those self-care things and they also know, good job, you helped out. Thank you so much. Now you can go out and play. I mean, they see that there's reward. They see that we need to rest and take a break sometimes, but they also learn that lesson of helping cheerfully. And I think that one of the things you will discover as you implement a regular routine and system is it weeds out character issues in your children. And especially in the first few weeks when you're doing a schedule or starting a new schedule, the hope is is once you've gotten the schedule, um, even if you revise it for a new term or a new semester, it won't you won't feel like you're teaching it all over again. But if you let it slack or you get inconsistent for a season, then you may have to go back to the beginning. But basically what, what happens is you may need to spend several weeks where you're not getting so much schoolwork done, but you're really working on character issues there. So you're really working on his or her ability to sit down and do the work. It's easier, I think, with younger children because it's easier to teach younger children to have a good attitude. With the older ones, there has to be more um, almost romancing, you know. You And it's really hard. I certainly haven't mastered it, ladies. But with older kids, you know, they're, 
they have to see a lot more give from you. And I think to a certain extent, they're a lot colder um, and more jaded, perhaps. And they're really stuck in their perception of the world, which is very influenced by hormones to their their defense. I mean, most of us remember the tempestuous teenage years, but it's very interesting to me to look at some of my friends' teenagers who on a consistent basis can be really cheerful and helpful. Um, And then even to look at my own kids who are helpful when they want to be, but when they don't want to be, they let you know. And it's just, it's interesting to me. And one of the things that's like, I guess I kind of want to figure that out. And these are maybe some of my own theories. But I do know that in the early weeks of a schedule, you often flush out character issues. And especially if you're working with younger kids. And if you've got multi-ages, I would work with the younger ones first. Figure out things for the younger ones. Deal with the older ones where you must. But really focus on consistency um, and getting the younger ones into the routine. So this is a this is a balancing thing. This is a tension thing. You're going to need to look at the schedule and ask yourself, is this realistic? And you're also going to need to look at your kids. So as long as you've decided that this is realistic, this is a realistic goal for my family and for my children then you can say, okay, how can I help my child achieve this? Because this problem is now dealing with attitudes. And some of it may be your own attitude. You may need to realize, I need to change my attitude too, which is definitely a big thing. That's one of the reasons why, that's that's one of the things I like about Smart Mama Happy Baby, which is my parenting class series, is because I'm able to work with real moms there and give them advice that I've gotten for parenting through many years, but it also gives me a lot of uh, chances for introspection and for self-evaluation, and because I'm continually researching for them and looking at lots of reference material and we do book studies and things like that, I continually get ideas and ways that I can improve myself, and I think that's important too. It's never just the children. In fact, I would say that I come down more heavily on it being it's really your responsibility, mom. And I know that really even today, we haven't talked so much about doing schoolwork, but what we've talked about is putting a framework in place that helps things move smoothly, moves easily, creating habits, helping with character issues and things that come up that overall come together and create a smoother day. And when you have a schedule, as long as it's realistic, it becomes a relatively impartial framework that you can use to sort out these character issues, to sort out attitude issues, your own attitude issues, and get a lot more done so that overall everybody feels calmer and more satisfied with the days. I definitely think that my family, as much as even my older kids might grumble about the school schedule, I think the days where we're able to stick to the schedule better are the days when everybody feels more gratified than the days where I just throw my hands up in the air and say, okay, this is not going to happen today, which is actually probably going to kind of be what today is because I'm trying to record podcasts and then I've got to go do lunch and all of this, that, and the other. And those days do happen. But give a schedule a try. Go through the first few weeks, which might be messy. But when you emerge from the other side, as you can stick to the schedule and get back to that, even after a day like my day today where things are crazy, I think you will find that everybody is happier and you will see opportunities to work upon your children and upon yourself and improve overall for a happier family life. Okay, so with that, 
Again, I'm gonna have some sample schedules. I really think that a picture will help you, so looking over those will help you take what, I, what you've heard me talk about in this episode and visualize it in your mind, what might that look like. Um, Terry Maxwell's book, Manage of Their Homes, is a really good book if you want like nuts and bolts step-by-step how to build the type of schedule that I'm talking about. And then I've also mentioned Smart Mama Happy Baby a few times throughout the podcast. We have a rhythm and routines class in Smart Mama Happy Baby, which talks about applying this with much younger children, but it's the framework to set up for a bigger schedule like this. And actually, if y'all are really interested, I could do some special homeschooling classes in Smart Mama Happy Baby where we could go into more depth, even doing video and like me showing you some of my materials and stuff. But Smart Mama Happy Baby Club is an ongoing club, so we're able to flex it and make it fit whatever it is you need for whatever ages and stages members have. You can find out more about it and join us there at SmartMamaHappyBaby.com. That's Smart Mama, M-A-M-A, SmartMamaHappyBaby.com. With that, I will talk to you next week and hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.